Okay, so we are in Second Corinthians chapter eleven still, and uh, we have had a great time uh, in Second Corinthians eleven, and so this is kind of part two of the credible Christian warfare, uh, you know. And uh, it, oh, I say you know, um, so I'm going to just pick up where we left off in a way, and, and highlight a few things that are. Uh, additional items that uh, I didn't touch on uh, already that you know overlap just a little bit to kind of tie the text together. And so, uh, as we go through this teaching in this chapter in particular, my my heart is to make sure that we guard our hearts, you know, from the temptation to corrupt ourselves um, <clears throat> by espousing ourselves to corrupt loves right that's what he's that's what paul starts off with at the beginning of the chapter he's like hey you know i i'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy i want you to have fidelity to the lord and so um you know we i know you guys you're here tonight because you want to be faithful to the lord we all want to be faithful to the lord and so we've talked the last several weeks here about the competition uh, of our love and or yeah and the uh, corruption of our love and we, in that, we talked about how God is crazy for us, you know, as far as his love for us is outstanding. And so um, it's, it's kind of nice to know there's a battle for our love. When you think about it, God, uh, you know, God loves us and he's not just going to let us go. Every love story has a villain, right, who always try to steal the, the leading lady uh, or some, you know, some uh, adulteress trying to lead away the the leading man or whatever, but it always works out, you know. And the true love finds one another and all of that. But that's all again, like I said this morning, every good movie is based on a Bible plot. And so, uh, you know, every day Satan is calling us uh, to cheat on our relationship with the Lord, and that's not who we are. God doesn't want us to do that. So, having said that, I'm going to back up and cover what we've already covered. And I'm going to read a lot tonight, um, and and then we will. This thing, by the way, is being fed out on podcasts, so uh, I, I realize that you know we we are broadcasting this pretty broadly. So I want to make sure that I'm covering some of these bases and re- rehearsing some of these things that we've covered. So we're going to be in Second uh, Corinthians 11 and verse five, and go through the rest of of this chapter and uh, kind of put. I'll probably stop in verse 12 because that's as far as we're going to get tonight. Uh, but I, I intend to take us all the way through verse 33. So for, for time's sake, I will just stop at verse 12. And if we can, I'll work up through verse 20. And, you know, if we just had all kinds of time, which we wouldn't, I would work us up through verse 33. But uh, So that's incrementally how we're going to step forward. So starting in verse 5, he says, For I, I suppose I was not uh, a wit behind the very chiefest apostles, and we've covered this, but though I, I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, uh, but we have been through, uh, thoroughly made manifest of among you in all things, have I committed an offense in abasing myself that ye might be exalted, because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And we just talked about that last week. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was uh, chargeable to no man for that which is lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. Uh, and in all things, I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you. Uh, so will I keep myself. As the truth in Christ is in me, uh, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore, because I love you, not God knoweth, but what I do, that will I do, that I may 
cut off occasion from them which desire occasion that wherein they glory they may be found even as we let's pray heavenly father uh, we want to thank you and praise you for your jealousy over us lord in a, in a in the most pure and godly sense you desire our fellowship you desire our um, relationship lord you desire our best and lord there are designs uh, there are, is a is a divine design for our health and for the benefit and the glory of the kingdom of god and there is also a very despicable design to destroy us and and to keep us from bringing honor and glory to your name. So, Father, we come before your throne tonight uh, with that sober uh, sober mindset, understanding that this is even a time right now, not just to learn about you, but to to learn of you and to learn, uh, you know, really how much you love us and how much you have provided for us through the Word of God, through the ministry of the local New Testament church. Lord, we want to learn tonight. We want to grow. We want to draw near to you. And, and Lord, we want to be found faithful. Lord, we want to be those that do not take your love for granted. Lord, and we want to be uh, like the Apostle Paul and, and not only able to be faithful to you, but to help others be faithful to you. Uh, Lord, and we just thank you for giving us a faithful word so that that can be done. We just thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to do a little review on these first uh, 12 verses, or these first, you know, really seven verses. And uh, then I'll pick up the text from there because it'll help set the context. So um, on your outline there, just, and this should kind of cover what we've covered, you know, a few, the last week. Um, God's love for you is credible. And we talked about how credible Christianity is more, it's more caught than taught. And you got your little football player there, right, catching the ball. So. Uh, Paul in verses five and six we saw was a credible minister. Um, uh, he was a he was a tremendous intellect from the very beginning of the ministry. Uh, when you go back to Acts nine twenty through twenty three, and these note those uh, verses aren't there. So Second uh, Corinthians eleven five through six talks about him being a credible minister. He was not behind a whit behind, right? Not even the least bit behind the very chiefest apostles. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, right? He says I might not talk well, um, but uh, I definitely know what I'm talking about. Um, you know. Uh, he's and he's saying, you know, he doesn't like to boast, but he's really letting them know, um, I'm not, a, I'm not a whip behind the very chiefest of apostles. But uh, he has tremendous intellect from, you know, the very beginning. And in, in Acts chapter nine, when he gets saved, um, you know, he is he is entrusted with the mysteries of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a witness to kings, to the nation of Israel, to the to the church. So Paul did not rely on intellect to manifest the life that he relied on in his life right so in verses five through seven that's what he's he's saying is that you know even though i have this intellect uh i'm rooted in speech and and really have a base myself and i'm not you know i'm not i have i'm allowing the word of god the gospel of god you know to go forth and i'm you know i'm taking responsibility for that i'm not charging you and so on and so forth. So he was. We talked about that. How he last week. How he was not chargeable. And so point B. Credible love cost us, right? So he, you know, he sacrificed for their benefit. He abased himself that they might uh, be exalted, right? He lowered himself, like uh, John the Baptist said, "I must decrease, but he must increase." So that was the mindset in which he had. So establishing souls is not a business, right? It's a labor of love. He wasn't in it to make money. Uh, he was in it to lose his life uh, that he might gain Christ. And so uh, that was a practical question that we might have in our own lives: is are we willing to invest in people who don't appreciate our work? Um, and that's that's a good question. 
it's one thing to invest in people that say you did a great job but you know uh, ministry isn't like that right we we need to be able and willing to invest if we're going to follow the lord jesus you know what paul said follow me as i follow christ as i be followers of me as i follow christ well a lot of what paul you know when you get to the end of paul's ministry the churches of asia they rejected paul um, that's not a very, you know, I look at the Apostle Paul's life and you get to the end there in Rome. Hey, do you guys need uh, handouts, by the way? You got what you need? You good? Okay. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know. Were they here? Okay. Um, and so, you know, Paul, his love for God and love for others, it cost him. I mean, it was a, it was not, his bank account was getting lower, not <laughs> his earthly bank account. Uh, you know, his, his health and all of that. Uh, I, I look at it if... I can reference it. Um, so, so yeah, it is. A, it's one of those things in ministry where you go to work to pay the bills and invest your lives in your children. Uh, and you know, a lot of times you don't get a thank you, Dad. Thank you, Mom. Right? You do that because you just love them. You just love them. It's nice when they say thanks, but uh, the older you get, the realize the more you realize, man, I didn't thank my mom and dad enough. So, <clears throat> when we invest uh, selflessly in others, two things will happen. Uh, and that is this. We, we are able to identify with Christ's incredible love for us so we can understand how thankless we are toward God. Right? When you invest in people who are thankless, it really helps you realize, you know, I'm kind of like that sometimes, aren't I? And, uh, you know, and God's like, yeah, you are. And so, uh, the second thing is we're able to witness the power of God's provision. On the other hand, conversely, right, God supplied Paul's need through other avenues and, uh, and the loving ministry of others. So, right, he robbed the churches of Macedonia miraculously. He's like, in Second Corinthians 8, he's like, I don't know where they came up with this. This is, we didn't even want their money, right? It's way above their means, but they, they forced it on us. I've robbed the churches of Macedonia to supply you guys. They're paying my bills so I can be here. And, uh, and believe me, there's a lot of truth to that in ministry, how things go sometimes. So unlike Satan's ministers, Paul uh, will boast not of what he has taken from the church of God, but what he has invested in the church of God. Man, I would hate to be, you know, Crawfield Dollar or one of these guys, you know, that just uses the church as an excuse to just fleece the flock. And uh, these guys, you know, these lavish ridiculous absurd expenses and stuff that they they you know fleece the flock with it's terrible so second corinthians uh, chapter 11 verse 10 just look at that verse with me it says as the truth of christ is in me no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of achaia so it's an interesting terminology and i believe that paul is is really kind of addressing there's some people in the church that that they're kind of forward in their in their words not just their thoughts and he's addressing them and he's saying, I'd rather boast in this investment than, than the withdrawal. So if you're going to make me boast, I'm going to boast in my investment strategy, not my withdrawal. Uh, I'm not withdrawing from you guys. I'm investing. And so he's setting that example. So the fundamental truth of love is found not in what's taken, but what is given. And uh, we see that in verse 11. He says, wherefore, because I love you not, oh, God knoweth right why do i invest why am i why am i not why am i investing in you instead of taking from you because well i love you right that's what he's saying and and if you don't believe me it doesn't really matter god knows my heart you know with all things so point c uh, credible love is is blameless right credible christian love is blameless 
so we see that in verses 11 and 12. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth, but what I do, that will I do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. So we covered this already. Our investment in people must be pure in, in motives. So Second Corinthians chapter 12 uh, if you look over the next chapter, down in verse 13, I don't think we touched on this last week. He, sa- he says, For what is is it wherein ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. So what he's saying is that I didn't charge you guys anything, and if you're inferior to any of the other churches, it's because you didn't put out anything. <laughs> Forgive me for not being a burden, you know. Um, and he goes on in verse 14 and says, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but for you. The children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Man, how many of you ever felt like that before? You love somebody, and the more you love them, the less you be loved. And, uh, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's not easy to handle unless you have the love of God. You gotta, you can't, as a human, you're not made to, to, to function that way. And so you've got to find your source of love somewhere else uh, if you're going to love them unconditionally, right? And unconditional love doesn't mean you don't need, you have some conditions and that you need to still be loved. And uh, if it's not being reciprocated, you're going to have to find it somewhere else. And that is the key. Where do you find it, class? Christ, right? The devil will give you a whole lot of opportunities to find it somewhere else, looking for love in all the wrong places, right? We used to have country songs about that. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, the right place is Christ. So Christ is able to fill up the love bucket so that you don't have to look for love in all the wrong places. Uh, but the devil's sly, and he wants to. That's where he wants to beguile people, and uh, and so and uh, and make us feel like just like Satan in the garden, where Christ isn't enough, right? He's not. He's not enough. You need more. And so Charles Haddon Spurgeon was able to support his own ministry in England by selling his weekly commentaries and sermons uh, to uh, the paper. And he, like Paul, did this to relieve the church and allow them uh, to free uh, to be free from taking him on as a burden. And so, you know, that looks like something, you know, Rick Warren, you know, he's done that too. He gave, once he sold his first... Uh, whatever purpose-driven, whatever church probably was the the thing. You know, all those pro- he ended up paying the church back all of his salary, and then uh, they didn't have to pay him. And so uh, I thought, man, that you know, there's a lot of things. I mean, like he just ordained a woman uh, last week. That's not cool at all. But uh, that part about his life, I, I do respect that. I think it's cool. And so uh, it's not always able to work like that. But that is that is a neat thing. So I did not know that about Charles Spurgeon either. So he tried to offset his income that way. That was neat. So <clears throat> which about Rick Warren? Um, I don't recollect. It's in my notes, and I don't know remember where I got it. <laughs> so um, I probably read it uh, on a commentary, I'm guessing, or in one of the uh, history booklets or periodicals that I get. Uh, so our testimony must be pure. And uh, there, there were many who corrupted the word in Second Corinthians chapter two and verse seventeen. Uh, Paul spoke to that. He said, uh, for, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. So he didn't say, we're not, we're, we're not like a few of those guys. He's like, we're, we, are, we are not as many 
which corrupt the word of God, but as sincere, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. So there were many who were corrupting the word of God, and Paul wanted to have a pure testimony. He's like, I'm not going to be in a situation where my testimony is corrupted, and so uh, I'm going to keep myself pure. Um, there are some pastors who are who simply, <coughs> excuse me, preach to make a living. No, no. Yeah, the word, interestingly enough, in the first century, uh, you you didn't have to worry about it because the Masoretic, what became the Masoretic text, the Hebrew text was fixed, just like our King James Bible. And a lot of people don't realize that. When the, I mentioned the, the, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls this morning and how important they were in regard to the timing, uh, realizing that the, the prophecies of Daniel were not uh, somehow written after the first century, after they were fulfilled, uh, which some people would, scholars used to suppose. But the, the Dead Sea Scrolls absolutely blows that out of the water. Conversely, there were a lot of critical text theorists that were happy because they just knew that there's going to be all kinds of differences in the Dead Sea Scrolls and as, as it ended up there weren't. Because Hebrew text is Hebrew text. And so there's even a lot of evidence, and uh, I know Ron studied this too, that the uh, the uh, a lot of people think that the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, was written you know, uh, when Jesus was walking the earth, and and that's that's pretty sketchy. There's not a lot of evidence for that, actually. It's mo- most likely it was written by critical text scholars after the first century, and so like guys like Origen and all those guys. Oh, so origin was where that happens to be the original text, huh? Right. Yeah, imagine that. So, uh, so there you go. And, and origin, for those of you who don't know, is the is the basically credited with the critical text. Um, mindset and theory toward scripture interpretation though the mindset existed before him um, uh, with other philosophers in, in Greek uh, philosophy as well so uh, Peter said this in second Peter 1 and uh, he says that there were there uh, were false prophets also among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Now, I'm going to pause there before I get into verse 3. When I was a young, before I got saved, I, I, one of the things that, that kind of the devil used in my life, but God also used in a strange way, was the, was the you know, when I was, uh, back in the old days, for you young people, you don't know how it used to be. You used, you used to only have like four, five, and nine, and then you got cable channels, and uh, every night there would be like these, uh, oh, I don't know what you call them, kind of like news periodicals, entertainment tonight and all this, and so... Um, and they were just trash shows, but anyway, these these preachers would fall. And uh, one of them I used to watch when I was a little boy, named Jimmy Swaggart. And so, and there, it was so tremendous the how mighty they like Bill Gates right now. Everybody's talking about Bill Gates and how his uh, his uh, you know heritage is now tied to that fellow that that supposedly got hung himself. Epstein, you know, and so now the mighty have fallen. Well, the same back in when I was a young man, um, 
that was going on in the Christian world. And guys like Jimmy Swaggart, you know, getting up crying crocodile tears. And and, uh, and so I was not saved. You know, I'm just watching all this going, what in the world? You know, these guys are charlatans. And, um, and, and you know, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, I was one of the people that was like, that's church. You know, look at that, you know. You know, all this stuff, by the way, a lot of people today are like, you know, I, I, get, I get tired of it, you know. The church this, the church is always at fault for everything, blah, blah, blah. You know, bottom line is, man, <laughs> this world's a mess and we need Jesus. And so uh, there ain't nothing new under the sun. And so, yes, we should have a higher standard, but the devil's at work too. And he's at work in the churches. And so um, and so that was through that that I actually started the whole discussion that started me getting saved, started around how evil these guys were and what is the standard of truth and is it, you know, can you trust the church? And it ended up going back to the Bible, which got me back on center to start reading the Bible to see what the Bible said because my drafting teacher said the Bible said it would be like this, you know, Second Timothy. And guess what? It is, right? In the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves, proud, boasters, blasphemers, and all of those things that are in Second Timothy. So, so Peter goes on to say, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words, right? These are empty words, false words, make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. So people are manipulating with their words. That's exactly what Paul was worried about with the church at Corinth. He's like, hey, I don't want anyone to beguile you. There were people that were using words to draw the church away. So the work of ministry is not based on salary and position. It's based upon the call of God and a desire to, to speak God's words. Right? God's words are the key. God's words are what are true. And that's where the light comes from, like we talked about this morning. So Christ's love for you is credible. And he is not like a man who would win a woman over simply to discard her after getting what he wants. He's committed to our welfare, and he loves us, and so uh, will his ministers, right, and shepherds. If you have a, a shepherd, a pastor, a ministry head, someone who doesn't love the church, I had a bad situ- a bad uh, exchange with a pastor just this last week, as a matter of fact. An old, I won't say who it was. He's old retired. He wasn't from around here, praise the Lord. But he was an old minister from another another state. And uh, I was uh, visiting with him in a public area. And come to find out, uh, he was an old professor and all of this, that, and the other. And he found out I was a pastor and he was a pastor. And and, uh, and he, he spent a good bit of his time telling me how he didn't want to do weddings. He didn't want to do funerals. He didn't want to preach. He didn't want to, he didn't want to be around the church. And I'm just sitting there listening to this guy going... Man, what is wrong with you? I mean, what is, uh, you, you shouldn't. I'm glad. Stay away. Please. Don't, don't. Don't get around the church. So he's very jaded, and it was very sad. Uh, it was very sad to see that. So um, so I hate, to, I hate to, to see guys like that. But I'll tell you what. God's love for us is credible. And uh, ultimately, um, you know, what Paul was really saying to the Corinthians is that it's just as he started, I'm jealous over you with the godly jealousy. You know, I have a I have a heart to get you to Christ in the way you need to get there. And uh, I'm not I'm not just going to, you know, set by why other people come and beguile the church. And so he was very serious about uh, the welfare of others because he loved Christ and he knows how much Christ loves the church. And so the battle to corrupt our credible Christian purity 
Um, you know, we've already covered this. This is all review, but God's love for you is credible. It's a little different than what we've talked about, so that's why I covered it again. The next point, which I'm not going to go very far in, is just the point two is Satan's lie to you is despicable. You know, so um, I'm going to read the text and kind of set this up, and then we're going to pull up because we don't have time. But let me just kind of end in verses 13 through 20. So we've taken it up to verse 12, and let's see where we're going to go. 13 number rebellion. He says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves in the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Uh, I say again, let no man thank me a fool. If otherwise, yet as a fool, receive me, that I may boast myself a little. That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly, in the confidence of boasting. And then he goes on to say in verse 18, Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing yourselves are wise. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, and if a man devour you, if a man take take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. Those are pretty harsh words. And so what he's saying is that, man, you guys are putting up with abuse. I'm going to act like I'm going to speak foolishly for a moment. He's he's giving himself. He's saying the context because it seems like you guys like abusive relationships. That's really what he's saying. You ever met someone like that? It's 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 hard. It's gut wrenching, uh, and it's it's not uncommon, unfortunately. And he's like, you guys, you're just gluttons for punishment. So I guess I'm just going to have to boast. And of course, we know what when we get there, we know what Paul's going to boast of. Uh, and so, uh, but let me just just touch on some of this real quick. Satan is looking for an opportunity um, in verse 13 to lie. Right? He's looking for an opportunity to lie. And you would not be surprised that that's where you're going to find verse 13, number rebellion, false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. So, you know what? Ephesians 4, 26 and 7 tells us that we should not give place. You know, the Bible says, Be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Man, don't give him any space. Don't give him a place. Uh, point B, Satan will always send false prophets to beguile Christ's bride. False prophets, uh, false apostles will preach a false gospel. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 24, uh, just real quick, I'm going to uh, share that with you. That's a workspace gospel. Acts 15, 24. Um, I'll just quickly read that. It says, For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us troubled you, here it comes with, what's it say? Anybody know? Oh, I didn't. You didn't turn there. Acts, Acts chapter fifteen twenty four. No, he says troubled you with words, with words. I was talking about words a minute ago. Subverting, right? Uh, like a submarine, right? Undermining whole houses, subverting your souls. He says, saying you must be uh, circumcised and keep the law. To whom we gave no such commandment. So these are liars. They are coming with words that are not truthful, subverting, undermining what's being taught, saying we, saying they're misrepresenting the apostles, uh, the apostle Paul, the apostles, the disciples of the, the the apostles, and saying you must be circumcised to enter heaven. They're talking about physical circumcision, not spiritual circumcision. And so uh, this is what happens. False apostles preach a false gospel. 
And uh, that still happens today. Today there's a lot of prosperity gospels running rampant all over Africa. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's, it's bad in America, but it's worse in Africa. It's worse, worse in uh, India. And so um, uh, Galatians 1.7 is a perversion of the gospel. I'll give you that one. I'm going to give you a couple and then we're going to be parked. Uh, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 7 we talked about this as well, about angels. He says, uh, I marvel, verse 6, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, right? This really isn't another gospel, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. He says, so there's some perversion of the gospel of Christ. And of course, in the book of Galatians, they're going back to works instead of grace. And so Philippians uh, chapter 3 and verse 2, there's a warning to beware of dogs, right? Lost workers, lost preachers, I should say. Evil workers and the concision. Uh, Paul even said, I wish they were cut off to trouble you. And he's using the fact that they want you to have circumcision physically to be saved to say, I wish they were cut off. And... Uh, and so, uh, you don't want to be beguiled by those in false religion. And there's plenty of them out there. So, next time we get together, I'll pick it up on point C, uh, 2C there. And uh, that'll be Sunday night, the 6th of June. <coughs> and so, next week's 5th Sunday, enjoy the 9 o'clock service, enjoy the 1030 service, and and then, uh, you know, have a good time with your family. Go out and have a barbecue, spend time with your family, tell them about Jesus, invite them to Christ, and, uh, and love up on them. Are there any questions, any blanks you missed, any questions you have over the content, any anything you want to add? <clears throat> Tegan? No, I'm just kidding. Your, it looked like your arm was up. So, where's your dad? Did he just? Oh, did you just come on your own? Oh, he's working. Oh, okay. I'm like, you kids are awesome. You come all by yourself on Sunday night, man. I am fired up. So praise the Lord. So, well, you got a good dad, and uh, he's got some good kids. All right, I'm going to pause this here, and we'll stop it. And we'll get into our. Let me pray for this, and then we'll uh, talk about our prayer needs. Heavenly Father, thank you for time in your Word. I pray as we prepare for our prayer season here that Lord, you would be glorified. And uh, I just ask Lord a blessing on the uh, reading and the hearing of your Word tonight. Thank you for these. Thank you for Ron, so faithful to come and sing uh, week in and week out. Such a beautiful voice, a beautiful vessel. Uh, Lord, we pray for Ron this week as uh, he's going to be leading the praise and worship team. And uh, Lord, we pray for James as he goes in for surgery on Thursday. Um, afternoon and Lord we uh, just uh, pray for his heart Lord not his physical heart but his spiritual heart as he's bereaved at the loss of his brother uh, and that Lord we just pray for him as he gets to speak in the eulogy in Dallas in a, in a couple weeks in June and pray God that uh, he'll be physically able to do that and that uh, spiritually he'll be I know he'll be prepared to do that Lord uh, there's many other needs we'll talk about in just a moment to pray over and we just pray see you and thank you for the opportunity and privilege to pray we ask all this in Jesus name Amen